This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Happy New Year, everybody. Man, I am so glad to be back with you. I just got back from a 10-day vacation in Southern California visiting my family, and it was incredible. And I hope that you had a really amazing Christmas and New Year. And isn't it good to be back together? I just love it. I love being with you guys. If you're brand new with our church, uh, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Our hope is that you would make yourselves comfortable, open yourselves up. I know on these new experiences, sometimes the tension level rises. I just want to tell you right now, we want that tension to go down for you. We're not gonna, we're not gonna trick you. We're not gonna do anything crazy. I'm not gonna make you stand up and share your name and your deepest, darkest secret. That comes on week two, so don't worry. Um, but what I do want to do is get you ready for today. And we get ourselves ready for each Sunday by doing a few things. When you came in, you got a program. Inside is this card that says start here. And I want you to go ahead and fill that out. Everybody, I want everybody to grab that right now. Uh, it's a way for us to connect with you. This is our connection card, a way for us to help you connect with each other. Ultimately, a way for you to connect with God when you're ready to take that step. And we use these every week, but especially right now, because today marks the beginning of our Life Group Promotion Month. And I'll tell you more about Life Groups towards the end of our time together, but you need to know that you're going to want to have that card filled out because it will help you immensely as we go on. The other thing you're going to want to do is uh, grab your teaching notes. They'll tell you where we're going today. It has the Bible verses in there, has some fill-in-the-blanks for you to take home and to look at throughout the week. Well, like I said, I had an amazing vacation. One of the many differences between Northern California and Southern California uh, is I woke up this morning and I ran to my car, not even thinking that I was back in Northern California, and there it was, ice on my window again. And so I sat there for five minutes dreaming about sunny Southern California. But I tell you, you're worth it. You're worth coming back for. I love you guys. One of the things that I realized as my wife and I were preparing for this trip is we're different in a lot of ways. We are. But one of the ways that we're different is the way that we pack for vacation. I don't know, some of you might be like this. My wife, she likes to get ready to pack about five days in advance. So she's laying out clothes and getting things ready. Anybody else like that? You like to prepare, you really, you pack in advance, get it all ready. She's got snacks for the kids. She's got snacks for her husband. She's, she's got everything ready. I, on the other hand, I pack about 15 minutes before we leave. I throw everything into uh, an old high school soccer bag, and I just hope I got it all. And inevitably, I forget something, like I forgot my shampoo and ended up using my mom's big, sexy, volumizing shampoo for the last 10 days. That's why it looks so good. But I, I do, I just, I always forget things, because I just throw it in last minute. And here's what I'm, I'm realizing, and I, I'm guessing you would say this is true for you as well. The bigger the adventure we take, the bigger the trip we're taking— the more we need to prepare, right? So if you're, if you're leaving for a week-long vacation, maybe you can get ready the day before or the day of. But if you're moving across the city, across the country, you can't get ready the day of. You have to prepare more. Uh, it's like the difference between going on a first date and going to your wedding day, right? There's just a different level of preparedness. Our, our first date, I was uh, taking a, a class, a, a seminary class, and I invited uh, my wife on our first date, and we'd known each other for a while. I said, hey, I've got like three hours, so here's our first date. We're going to go to Wendy's, and then we're going to go to the cheap movie theater to see Kingdom of Heaven. How's that sound for a first date? She said, that sounds great. So I got my best hat on, and I took her on a date. Now, if I did that on our wedding day, I would be in big trouble. You just prepare differently for a first date than you do for a wedding date. And the bigger the adventure, 
the bigger the journey, the more preparation needs to happen. And I want to tell you something today. God's great desire for you this year is that you would know his love and his grace and his forgiveness and his transforming power of his Holy Spirit in such a way that it draws you into God's presence and it launches you out on the journey of a lifetime. His desire is that, that we would be able to trust him and know him in such a way that, that it stirs something in us to take a journey with God. And so we're, we're starting this year out with this series called Dangerous Journey. Unsafe, unsure, but unafraid. Because the journey of faith, like all journeys uh, that are worth taking, has some level of uncertainty. Some level where you might not feel safe all the time because God calls us on adventures with him. And yet we can be unafraid because God wants us to know him and to trust him and to love him in such an incredible way that even when things feel unsafe and unsure, even when God calls us to do things that are outside of our comfort zone, that are outside of what we know and what our experience has shared with us, that we can say, you know what, God, I trust you in such a way that I'm going to take this step with you, and I know I don't have to be afraid, because God wants incredible things for your life. Notice what, what God says to us in Jeremiah chapter 33. It says, thus says the Lord. So this is God talking, and he wants to remind us who he is. I'm, I'm the Lord who made the earth. I'm the Lord who formed it and established it. God is a, he's a big God. He's a creating God. The Lord is my name. And this is what he says to us. In verse three, he says, he says, call to me, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. See, see, God wants us to have a life where we're so fully connected to him, where we're so completely surrendered to him that, that we can call to God and that God will actually speak to us. God's not some distant creator who, who set the clock and then let the world go into motion. God is very real and very present and he wants to know you and he wants to reveal things to you about your family and your purpose in life and your, your, your vision for what could be in your job. He wants to reveal great and mighty things to you that you don't yet know if we would simply call to him. So the question for us today is, are we ready for that kind of journey? As we head into 2014, are we ready to take the journey of a lifetime for God? Because it's, it's more like moving than taking a vacation. It's more like a wedding day than a first date. And it takes some serious preparation. And it's not always easy, this journey with God, but I can tell you this, it is always worth it. So for the next six weeks, we're going to prepare ourselves for this journey. And we're going to do it by going through a book of the Bible called Joshua. And Joshua is a book in the Old Testament, and it's about this leader who, who prepared an entire nation, the nation of Israel, to take an incredible, life-changing journey with God. If you're not familiar with the story, basically it starts out like this. There's this nation of people called the Israelites. They were the people that God had chosen for himself, and he promised something to them generations before. He said, someday— Someday I'm going to give you a land, a nation, a place to call your own, and it's going to be an incredible place. And that promise he's made in Abraham's time, which by the time we get to Moses, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of years, and the people had almost forgotten about the promise, because in between the time of that promise and where they found themselves with Moses, who was the leader at that time, uh, there were in, in 400 years of slavery, 
Uh, Egypt had risen to power and they had conquered uh, the Israelites. They had made them slaves for 400 years and the people called out to God and God used this guy named Moses to set the people free. Uh, And then they went into the wilderness with Moses and Moses was going to take them to this promised land and they get right to the edge of the promised land and they reveal the fact that they're just not ready to go in yet. See, they look at the promised land and there are people living there and the people don't want to give up their land and the nation says, we can't do it. And they get scared. And they turn away. And so what God does, he says, you know what? You're not ready to do what I want for you. So he lets an entire generation of people die. The whole generation dies, including their leader Moses. And Joshua, this new leader, raises up. And it's an epic leadership transition because Moses had been their leader. He had taken them from slavery to freedom and to the edge of this promised land. And and the people connected Moses with the ability to know God. And Moses dies, and Joshua raises up. And God says to Joshua, prepare the people, because tomorrow I'm going to take them into the promised land. But the same, prom- the same problem that, that was happening with Moses was still happening. See, the land was filled with all of these people, all of these nations who had walled cities and had armies and had guards, and they didn't want to leave their land. But God made a promise to the people, and and so he said to Joshua, get the people, get the people ready, because I'm going to do something amazing in their midst. And Joshua, this new leader, was left with this question, how do I prepare an entire nation to experience what God has for them individually, to experience what God has for them as a community? How, how do I get this nation ready? See, there were millions of Israelites at this time, and if God didn't get them ready, and if he didn't use Joshua to do it, Millions of people would be slaughtered. Millions of lives would be wasted. So, so Joshua's left sitting in his tent wondering, how do I get these people ready? Do I pick the strongest men to lead? Do I, do I set up a military plan? Do I, do I make sure everyone has a weapon that's sharpened? How do I get them ready? How do I prepare them for the journey they're going to take? And, and as I was praying for us as a community, and as I was praying into 2014, I realized we're on a really similar journey right now. See, for the last 16 years, Ron has led our church, and God has used Ron to, to bring us to incredible places of faith. He's used Ron in your life. He's used Ron in my life. And, and God has changed us. God has used us to reach our city under Ron's leadership. But in just five weeks, I'm going to be moving into the senior pastor role, and we're going to be making a pretty, pretty major leadership transition that none of us have ever gone through as a church. And the question for me became, how do we get prepared for this journey? How do we get prepared? Because Ron and myself and our staff team and our senior leadership team, we've been, we've been praying and we really sense from God that we are on the edge of something great, that we're on the precipice of something amazing. Do you know that we saw uh, over 50 people either give, make first-time decisions to give their lives to Jesus or recommit their lives to Jesus just on Christmas Eve? We saw over 850 people come to our church just on Christmas Eve. I don't know if you sense it, but there's something in the air right now. God is, God's moving. God's stirring in us. God's about to do something incredible. And we believe that he set our church up uniquely to reach Petaluma. Uniquely. There are great churches in our city, but we think he set us up uniquely to be the church that reaches our city with the life-changing love of Jesus. We believe he set us up uniquely to, to change the spiritual climate of Petaluma. And the question became for us, how do we get ourselves ready? As we as we take these next five weeks leading up to the transition, how do we prepare ourselves for what God wants to do in us 
How do you prepare yourself for what God wants to do in you? And then how do we prepare ourselves for what God wants to do through us? Because I believe that this journey that we're on is going to take every single person in our church saying yes to God, committing to following after God, preparing themselves for the journey God has us on. I believe that this journey that we're going to take is going to take every single one of us saying, you know what, God, I'm going to step up my influence in our city. I'm going to step up my influence in our neighborhood. I'm going to step up my influence at my work. I'm, I'm just going to step up, and I'm going to step out with you. I'm going to take this journey with you. And as I was studying the life of Joshua over the last couple of months and praying for you and praying for our church, I realized the way that God told Joshua to prepare the people, and it's something that you wouldn't expect. So that's where we're going to pick up the story today. It's in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, and it's one simple verse. God says to Joshua, Joshua, tomorrow I'm taking the people into the land that I promised them. And Joshua goes out to the people, and he walks through the nation, and he says, consecrate yourselves, because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The word consecrate literally means, it means set yourself apart. Make yourself holy. He says, that's how I want you to prepare yourself. If you want to see God do wonders among you, Joshua says, you need to set yourselves apart for God. You need to be holy for God. And the people said, yeah, but we need weapons and we need a strategy because we're going to go into this land and there are giants there and, and there are enemies there and they have, they, have, they have huge armies and battlefields. We need to get ready for that. And God says, no, no, just, just set yourselves apart for me. Make yourselves holy for me and I'll give you a strategy. And I think God's saying the same thing to us. Set yourselves apart for me this year, new life. Make yourselves holy, and I'll give you a strategy. I, listen, I love strategy. I do. I love strategy. But the thing that God kept saying to me was, don't worry about the strategy yet. Strategy will come in time. Just make yourselves holy for me. Set yourselves apart for me. Consecrate yourselves for me. Because the temptation for the Israelites was that they would go into the land, and they would live their lives like everybody else lived their lives. And they would do what everyone else did, and they would get what everyone else got. But God's great desire for them was that they would have more than what everyone else had. He, he wanted to bless them. He wanted better for them. He wanted to give them amazing things, show them signs and wonders they'd never seen before. And friends, the same is true for you. If you go out into our city and you do what everyone else does, you're going to get what everyone else gets. And you know what? It's not a bad life. It's pretty good. We have it pretty good in Petaluma. But God wants better for you. God wants to do amazing things in your life. He wants to do wonders in your life. He wants to do miracles in your life. So he said to the people, get ready for the adventure. Consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves apart. Make yourselves holy for me. And he said it for at least two reasons. One was so that the people would put their trust in God. See, God loved, he loved the Israelites. He loved them. He had just freed them from slavery. He wanted to give them an incredible land. He loved them, but they didn't fully trust him. And so he said, consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves apart for me. Take this step of faith. And when you do, you'll see me working in your life. And then you'll be able to trust me even more. Because isn't that the way that God works? Anytime you take a step of faith, even a small one, even a small one, and God comes through, doesn't it grow your faith a little bit more? How many of you have just done something? You said, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you with just a sliver of my life, just a little bit, and then God, God came through for you. Amen. It made you want to trust God even more. So God says to the people, set yourselves apart for me 
Because when you take that step of faith, I'm going to come through for you and you can trust me even more. And I think the same is true for us. See, God wants us to consecrate ourselves, to set ourselves apart for him so that he can grow our trust. This whole series we're going to do for the next five weeks, it's all at its core about growing our faith growing our trust, having a deeper trust in God, having a deeper faith in God than we ever could. See, God loves you. This might be the first time you've ever heard this. I need you to hear this. God loves you. He loves you with an incredibly deep love, and he wants to grow your faith so that you can trust him, and you can take steps with him so he can do good things in your life. And sometimes the things that God says to do, they're going to seem counterintuitive, and they're going to seem odd, but you know what? God will come through. And so he's inviting us, set ourselves apart. Set ourselves apart from the way that, that the rest of the world lives. Not because it's bad necessarily, but because he wants better for you. He wants to take your life from good to great, from ordinary to extraordinary. And it only happens when we set ourselves apart. So that's the first reason why. The second reason why he called them to set themselves apart was because the world was watching them. We're going to get into the story a little further. And what you're going to find is that the nations that they would go against already knew about the Israelites. They already knew that God was working on, on their behalf. And the same needs to be true for us. Let's just be totally honest about something because it's playoff weekend right now. Let's just be honest. Okay? Seriously. Football is more entertaining than church. Can I, can I just get an amen about that? I'm a Bears fan. My heart is breaking right now. But even that aside, football is more entertaining than church. It just is. If we look like everyone else looks, why would they ever want to not watch football in order to come to church? That's crazy. I, listen, if my life was no different than anyone else's life, I wouldn't want to come to church. I'd want to go watch football. I'd want to watch the Niners stomp on the Packers today. That's what I want to watch. Can I get an Amen. Amen. I know one Packers fan, and he's actually working in kids' ministry right now, so I can say that. God wants us to consecrate ourselves so that we will see, so that people will see God working in our lives. So that people will see God working in our lives, and they'll know that God is real. God wants us to live differently in our parenting. He wants us to parent different. He wants us to look different in our sexuality. He wants us to look different in the way that we deal with money and work and forgiveness. And not because he's mean. Not because he's a buzzkill or a killjoy. That's not why God wants our, our sexuality to look different or our money to look different or our parenting to look different. It's because he wants to bless us in those areas so that the world around us will look at us and say, wow, I, I want what you have. How, how do I get what you have? The only thing that's going to get your buddy to stop watching football and come to church is if your marriage looks different than his marriage. The only thing that's going to get your friend to come to church is if the way you do work looks different than the way they do work. If they look at your money and you have some because you followed God's plan and they don't have some, they're going to say, how do you have money? You can say, well, I, I follow God's plan. Come meet God. God has a plan for you. The only way our city is going to be changed is if our city begins to look at us and says, wow, I want what they have. I want what they have. How do I get what they have? And we can say to them, we're following God. And God's doing miracles in our lives. When, you, when your friends are struggling in their marriage, and you go to them and say, you know what, we were on the brink of divorce 
but we turned to God and he restored our marriage. He can do the same thing for you. That's when your friends are going to come to church. It's not going to be because we play a great song and they, they play great songs. It's not going to be because I'm that entertaining because I'm not. Football is more entertaining. Our city is going to be changed when they look at our lives and they see something different about us. That's the way God wants to work it. So for the next five weeks, we're going to look at five key areas to set ourselves apart, to consecrate ourselves. We're going to to talk briefly about why God wants us to do this in each of those areas. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take time throughout the year. We're going to spend five, four, five, six weeks on each of those areas throughout the year, and we're going to get into the how and the why. How do we consecrate ourselves? Why do we consecrate ourselves? Why would God want to set us apart in these key areas? So we're going to look at these briefly each week for the next five weeks and say, this is what God wants for us. He wants us to set ourselves apart so that he can do miracles in our lives, so that he can take something that is ordinary and make it extraordinary so that the world around us, our coworkers, our neighbors, our kids, our parents, look at our lives and say, what do you have? Why does, why, does, why does your life seem to work and my life doesn't work? And we can say, because I set myself apart for God. And I'll tell you something, God is changing my life. When we do that, the church will be the most incredible, inviting, loving place that anyone could ever come. The series we're going to launch, by the way, on February 16th when we make this transition is a series that we're calling, I Love My Church. I Love My Church. The tagline is, if you don't love church, try mine. Because we should love church. Church is where we encounter God and where God changes lives. We should love our church. And I'm going to talk about, for that series, why I think the church is the best thing in the world. It's going to be an incredible place for you to invite your friends so that they can experience God. So they can experience God. But before we get there, we have to decide here that we're going to set ourselves apart. So I want to spend the rest of our time this morning asking one key question, and it's the question for this entire series. It is literally, it's the pinnacle question. If we don't have the answer to this question, we will not be able to do what God calls us to do. And here's the question. Do I believe at my core that God is trying to keep something from me or that God is trying to give something to me? When you think about God, when you think about your life, when you think about the idea of setting yourself apart, that question has to be settled in your mind. Is God, is God sitting in heaven right now saying, I, man, I hope, I hope that they do what I say because if they do, it's going to make their life worse. I really, I want their lives to be bad. And so I hope, I hope that, they, that they set themselves apart. I hope that they change the way they deal with money because if they do, it's going to make their life worse. I hope that they, that they, they change the way that they view um, marriage and sex and relationships because if they change that, man, it's going to make their life worse. And I can't wait for their lives to be worse. Do we think that's what God is doing right now? Or do you think God's in heaven saying, I, man, I love you so much, and I hope, I pray, I trust that you're going to set yourself apart, because if you do, it will make your life better. Now, don't raise your hand, but I really want you to think about this for a second. At your core, do you believe that God wants to take something from you, or does God want to give something to you? 
Because your answer to that question will change the way that you hear every sermon ever preached at New Life. The answer to that question will change the way that you read your Bible every time you open it up. If you believe that God at his core wants to take something from you, then you'll never, you'll never consecrate yourself. You'll never set yourself apart. You'll never make yourself holy. You'll do it in the places that feel convenient and easy and in the places that feel hard. We just never will. But if at our core we believe that God wants to give something to us, that he wants to bless us, that he wants to do miracles in our midst, then when we come up against those hard places to set ourselves apart where it feels uncomfortable, we'll do it because we trust that God has something better for us on the other side. And here's how I know you've got this question playing around in your subconscious somewhere because men and women have asked this question since the beginning of time. The very first couple in the Bible, very first couple, God had given them everything. But somehow they got it in their mind that God was trying to keep something from them. That there was better life out there apart from God, and so they, they didn't consecrate themselves, they didn't set themselves apart, they did what God wanted them not to do, and it separated them from God, and it changed everything for them. And men and women have been asking that same fundamental question throughout the entirety of history. Is God for me or is God against me? Does he want to give something to me or keep something from me? This is the most important question you can ask. It's such an important question that God, God didn't want to leave any doubt in your mind. He didn't want to leave any doubt in your mind, so God did something unthinkable. God did something unfathomable. In the New Testament of the Bible, there's a guy named Paul, and Paul was writing to the church in Rome, and the Romans were asking the same kind of question. Is God for us or is God against us? Does God want to give something good to us or take something bad from us? And Paul answers this question in Romans chapter 8. He says this in verse 31. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's the question they were asking. Is God for us or against us? He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then he says, here's how you know God's for you. God did not spare his own son, but he delivered him over for us all. How will he not also, with Jesus, give us freely all things? He's basically saying this. Listen, Romans, listen, new lifers, listen, the church, you were separated from God by your sin. You were dying. You were failing. And ultimately, you were going to hell eternally separated from God. And God looked at you and he said, there's only one way to fix that. I'm going to wrap myself in flesh. God became man, Jesus Christ. I'm going to give my only son to come to this world and to take the penalty for your sins so that you could be forgiven, so that you could find healing, so that you could have God's spirit living in you. He said, I'm doing it because I need you to know that I am for you. I'm for you. And if God wouldn't even spare Jesus, but would give his own son. Why would he ever, why would he ever want to take from you in something as small as your finances? If, if he wants to forgive you of your sin and give you his Holy Spirit and live with you forever in heaven, why would he want to take from you the joy of, of, of sex? That, that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. If God is for you enough to give his only son, then God is for you. And so everything God says, even if it doesn't fully make sense and register with the way that you see life, it's good and it's for your benefit. 
He goes on to say, if God would go to that extreme, then he wouldn't spare anything. And so the question we have to wrestle to the ground, and I, I want us to do this this week, the question we have to wrestle to the ground, is God for me? Does God want to give good things to me? Or is God against me? Does he want to take something good from me? If I really get serious about following Jesus and setting myself apart and being holy and consecrating myself, if I really take these next five weeks and set myself apart in the five key areas that we're going to talk about, is it going to be better or worse? That's the question that some of us have to wrestle to the ground. And so I only have two ways to put this into practice this week. The first is, is I just want to take time this week to answer that question. And I want each of us, each of us, every single person, to go home this week and and wrestle that question to the ground. Is God for me or is he against me? Does he want good things for me or does he want to take something from me? So that next week when we come back to church, we're ready to give ourselves over to God completely. And you can find out the answers to that question in the Bible. You can find out the answers to that question by, by talking to this community, people who have given themselves over to God and he has blessed them and met them. And then the second one is this. If you've never given your life over to Jesus, if you've never said yes to him, then today is your day. God does not want to take something. I want to correct that. God does want to take something from you. He wants to take your brokenness from you. He wants to take your sin from you. He wants to take your insecurity and your fear from you. And he wants to replace them with joy and forgiveness and peace and healing. He wants to take your mundane life and he wants to give you a purpose for living that's beyond yourself, that rings into eternity. God does, he wants to take something from you, but it's the stuff you don't want. And he wants to give you something that you could never get on your own. He wants to give you eternal life and a relationship with your heavenly father. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, today's your day to simply commit yourself to him, to say yes to him. In just a second, I'm going to pray and I'm going to give you a chance, if you've never said yes to Jesus, to say yes to him and to give your life over to him. And you can just pray a simple prayer of commitment where you simply commit yourself to God. And then after I pray, we're going to take communion together. And communion is an incredible way to remember that at his core, God is for us. Because in communion, we're going to take a piece of bread, which Jesus says represents his body that was given over freely for us, and a cup of juice, which Jesus says represents his blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he answered the question once and for all. He said, I am for you because I love you and I want good things for you. So we're going to take this piece of bread and this cup of juice, and we're simply going to remember that in all things, God is is for us. God wants to be moving in our lives if we would set ourselves apart for him, if we would live completely surrendered to him, if we would consecrate ourselves for the journey that he's called us to. So would you join me and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to pause right now and say thank you. Thank you that you knew the questions we would be asking you knew that, that somewhere running in our minds, we have this, this doubt and this fear, and we don't fully know if we can trust you. And Jesus, you made it perfectly clear when you gave your life on the cross that we can trust you for all things. And so Lord, today as a community of faith who's preparing for the journey of a lifetime with you, 
who's preparing to do something that no other church in, in our city has done, which is, which is have such influence for you that we change the spiritual climate of our city. As we prepare for this journey, we say, yes, Lord, we want to set ourselves apart for you. And we're trusting you to show us how to do that in the coming weeks and months. And we're asking that you would do that now. That you would give us the courage and the strength and that you would guide us by your spirit to to consecrate ourselves, to set ourselves apart, to make ourselves holy as we take this journey with you. Would you prepare us for all that you have planned in 2014? And as we continue to pray, if you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never committed your life to him, you can do that right now. You can pray a simple prayer. I've got to tell you right now, I just, I just sense that you need to know God, God loves you so much. He couldn't love you more than he does. He loves you so much that he, he, he went to the unthinkable depths. God, the creator of this world, becoming man so that he could take the penalty for your sin, that thing that separates you from him, so he could give you a life with him. So if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, you can pray the simple prayer. Just repeat it after me. Whisper it where you're sitting. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came to this earth and that you gave your life freely on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I believe that you want good things for my life. Today I say, yes, God. Yes, I want this life that you're offering. Yes, I want you. So would you come, Jesus? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk every day from this day to eternity, set apart for you? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.